Yo, what's up? And welcome to episode 16 of Throwback Hoops. My name is Rob Clayton, and joining me as he does every week is Woody V. Woody, my main man, how's it going? Hey, man, it's good to have some NBL back on. Uh, so, yeah, pretty happy, man. Love to chop up in a very special episode today, homie. So, looking forward to it. It certainly is. So, look, just before we get into it, just a reminder just to, to check out our YouTube show. Um, please make sure you subscribe when you're on there. And, of course, if you're listening to the podcast via audio, it's available, you know, sort of on all the podcast channels anyway. So, all right. So, look, today we've got a show that Woody and I are extremely excited to be doing. Um, probably a bit of an understatement. Um, so look, it's with great pleasure pleasure that I introduce our guest this week. Um, Woody, you might need to put your feet up. I might go for a little bit here, but um, all right. So this man played 21 seasons with his beloved Melbourne Tigers from 1984 to 2005, in which he won seven MVPs, was a 15-time NBL All-First Team player, 14-time scoring champ, and of course, a two-time champ, winning titles in 93 and 97. He played with Seton Hall University in 1989, helping lead the team to the title game in the NCAA Championships. He had stints overseas, most notably with the Washington Bullets in 94, and then with the Spurs in 99, where he earned an NBA championship ring. And look, probably more importantly, he played in five Olympics for Australia from 1984 to 2000. And as we all remember, he was the Olympic flag bearer for Australia in 2000. I would like to give a very warm welcome to Australia's best ever basketballer, Andrew Gaze. <laughs> very, very nice welcome. Love hearing that uh, when you read it out there, Rob. So I appreciate the kind words. And it's great to have you. Hopefully, I didn't miss anything out there, mate. But um, yeah, let us know. Well, I'm quite fond. <laughs> Probably of a couple of things, right? I'm quite fond of the fact that I finished fourth in Australia's number one dance competition, Dancing with Ooh, the Stars. Nice. Hey, you forgot, forgot about that, Rob. You forgot, forgot that, about man. That, yeah. <laughs> Let's, we, we don't need to go into that because I. I share that story quite often, but it, um, but no, I do appreciate it. I'm looking forward to a chat. Very good. No, much appreciated, Thanks, Andrew. So, look, I guess, um, Woody, as we sort of do each week, we'll just sort of showcase our jerseys. Um, why don't you take us away and um, show us who you're wearing this week? Yeah, sure. So, firstly, uh, I had to rep my Sydney Kings, so I got the uh, nice. Damien Keogh. Trio. Sydney Kings signed hat <laughs> nice. from the 90s. Wow, and that's with, nice. Uh, with Drewy coming on the show, I had to represent. So yes. I got a classic. Number two, was that uh, was that oh, Abby Arat, of course. Of course. Nice. Yes. Were you standing up showing the old school Abby Arat jersey? Nice Very nice. Now, a few weeks ago, we wore the Copeland Gaze jersey, so we didn't know you wow. were coming on the show, Andrew. So, um... no, that's nice. That's nice. That 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 I didn't. Um, well, I played in a similar jersey to that, but that was Ebi Arat was post my retirement. Yeah, he so was. I didn't. Um, I didn't get to sport that one, but the the one over the your uh, left shoulder there, Rob. That's the one that um, has the most memories to me. It's Brings back that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was a beauty. That was 93 championship we won it in that jersey. And I'm a Perth fan as well, so I haven't forgotten that, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. No, they were great times. And um, yeah, that jersey, jersey with the Kmart brings back a, a lot of fond memories. No, well, just start. a little bit about Ebi Ere. Actually, that's the way you pronounce it. Is that you, how you say it? Yeah, if you remember a, a press conference with Joey Wright and Ebi, he alluded at, at the press conference. That's how it's been pronounced. He's of Nigerian descent. Um, yeah, he's he is. Yeah, he's represented the Nigerian national team, although he did grow up in the States. 
I he mean, went he's to, in the, London. He actually played for the Nigerian national team because right. uh, I remember commentating, and uh, he was part of that team. So yeah, I do remember it. I can't. I don't think he's one of these guys that gets upset if you don't pronounce it no, not at exactly not how at it's all. supposed to be. Not at all. Um, and he was one of the most exciting players to come to our shores. I um, mean, people around the league at the moment, Drew and. And Robbie are talking about some of the greatest dunks ever in NBL history. Right? Yeah. And I'll tell you about one dunk live that I saw at the Sydney Entertainment Center. I think circa 2007 and eight when he was at that with the bullets. Um, and I think it was Craig Bradshaw. Someone put up a three that just jumped off the back of the rim. And right. Eddie came running in from the free throw line and did the tip slam. Um, that was awesome. So, I mean, that was probably one of the best uh, live oh, dunks I've he seen. Had a, he had yeah. a few of them, though. Eddie yeah. was a... He could shoot it, and that's what he probably became more renowned for, is particularly with the Sydney Kings. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, famous against the West Sydney Razorbacks. Uh, oh, yeah. And I remember. They'd probably be championship short if it wasn't for that made basket that Eddie yep. made with, oh, I was in the, probably the last minute or so. It was in transition, too. He's pulling up, and they'd made a, a massive run. So, Evie, um, Evie was renowned for his perimeter shooting, but he, he could rise. He had oh, yeah. a lot of bounce and. Uh, there's many people that he's posterized. So he was a beauty, one of the greats. And uh, as mentioned, you, you, you've come up with some, like even mentioning Craig Bradshaw. Now, he was only a very brief period in the NBL, but he yep. played well uh, in Europe and uh, New Zealand, uh, I think. And he went play, had a very, very good um, college career as yeah, well. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, there was talk so of him going to the NBA. And, and yeah. The vast majority of people watching us, I doubt very much that they remember Evie or Craig Bradshaw, but good on you for that's going, the stuff we love, Andrew. Going into the archives, yeah, yeah. Or being a Kings fan, 2003, I remember it. You know, that was the yeah. uh, second championship in a row, and then he came back a few years later and made it two in two years, and he played on what many people consider the, one of the greatest teams in NBL history, which had you know, you know, Black and Bradshaw and yeah, you know, Dylan Boucher, Sam McKinnon, CJ Bruton, who he teamed up with again after Sydney coming to Brisbane. Um, and then when he played for your Tigers, he was actually going to play for the South Dragons that year. And I think he went and tried to get into the NBA and Tramel Darden yeah. was picked up, I think, from memory. And um, and the finals was between, you know, Melbourne yeah. and, and, and Southeast Melbourne. And Darden went off and uh, it was a 3-2 result, uh, yeah. I think. Yes. So, it was. And, yeah, um, yeah he, he was a great player. And his, his time with Melbourne is probably not what he's most famous for. It was for sure. Yeah. Sydney and Brisbane. But he was still a... A high quality player and uh, and and so versatile, like I said, because he can shoot shoot the ball. And when you think of the game now compared to back then, his game's probably more suited to the way the game's yeah, played right now. Than definitely back then. But um, but no, he was a beauty. Yeah, and I think at thirty five, late in his career, he got to reunite with with Joey Wright at Adelaide as a veteran there. Um, he did. Uh, and then he, that, you know, that wouldn't yeah. be probably one of the, the most yeah. memorable when he no. thinks back on his NBL career. I don't think he's <laughs> no, I agree. He's, he's, he's remembering the first go around with Joey, yep, but not I, the I, uh, not that one. I hear you, I hear you. And what's he doing now? I mean, he retired a few years ago. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know. Yeah. No, I really don't know. Yeah, I'm not couldn't sure. find he's... much myself, so I thought maybe you might have an idea. No, yeah. I, I don't know. Absolute legend, had a great career. Mm. Uh, good stuff, Woods. I know you're always a fan of, of Abby there, so. 
All right, so look, I'll just I'll sort of take it away. So what I do, um, Andrew, is I basically hang up a jersey each week and I wear one. I've got a pretty insane collection, so it's a good way to kind of show them off. So, look, as we said, um, the great number 10 behind me, I think I wore mm. that in an early episode. So nice. I talked all your praises that time again. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's, that's the old school one there. But one I'm wearing today, it's an actually an ex-teammate of yours from the Spurs. So I'll just quickly show up, uh, stand up and show you that one and then I'll yep. sort of talk a little bit about this guy. Okay, sure. This and is... Um... Oh, it's Sean Elliott. Yeah, for all the... The mighty Sean Elliott. Listeners who can't see, Robbie's wearing the Spurs 90s, Sean Elliott, Drewy's teammate. Yeah. Sean Elliott, what do you remember about him? Well, the, the big shot in 99. Yeah, in, of uh, on that baseline. At, at home. Well, it was on the sideline and he, mm. and he... It was one that... It was, first and foremost, it was fantastic officiating because it looked like he was out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, I was on the bench most of the time and from where um where i was there you looked out and you go crikey it looked like he's out of bounds but it was fantastic officiating because his toes were in bounds and his heels were actually over the line but not on the line up yeah up and uh, he was able to knock down that three ball now we end up winning that series pretty easily but well relatively easy i should yep. say but at the time that was one that potentially all of a sudden, they win that game. It changes the complexion of the whole series. So it was a huge, huge shot. And it was at um, the Alamo Dome. And mm. they don't play there anymore. No. But 40-plus thousand. And the joint, the, the how loud it became and hitting that shot. But he was a, a great guy, a great guy, great teammate, um, very generous, uh, unselfish guy. And at both ends of the floor, super athlete. Mm. He, he he was when he was in Detroit. Now I'm going back in the memory, so if I've got this wrong, I'm sure your listeners will pick me up. But I'm pretty sure he was an NBA All Star, NBA All Star when he was at Detroit. Um, so his fantastic career at Arizona played along Steve Kerr, alongside Steve Kerr, I believe. Definitely, yeah. And spent some. He also played in the US. I think he played in the USA Olympic team as well. So I think he, he might be right. Not yeah. Actually, not an Olympic team, a World Cup team. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so he was a, a superstar and, yeah, loved him dearly. He's a great man. So I guess just a little bit, look, some, some great info from, from Gazy there, but just, I guess, a little bit about Sean Elliott. So, yeah, 12 seasons in the NBA. Um, he was picked three in the 89 draft out of Arizona, as Andrew said. Um, he played 11 of those 12 seasons with the Spurs, except for one year when he was in Detroit, um, when he was traded for Dennis Rodman, of all people. So yep. he basically went there. Let's just say it probably didn't work out for both players there. Um, the Spurs got him back a year later. Um, so that year he actually went to Detroit in 94 was actually when he found out that he, um, he had a kidney problem, which um, would obviously eventually lead him to have a kidney transplant in 1999, which he'd received from his brother uh, Noel there. So, yeah, as we said, it was straight won- up. It was mm. it was a very short period of time after winning the championship. He, he had to go through that, and it was wow. yeah, it was it's life threatening. And he was one. He, I think he was the first pro athlete, wasn't he, to sort of have that that surgery there and sort of be able to continue to play. I guess, but yeah, it took some um, time, but they, they did. And um, yeah, I I, th- I don't think he was the same. After that, but mm. but yeah, super athlete, great athlete, and, and you know, even better guy. He was a great guy. It's great to hear that as well. And look, obviously, he's number thirty-two. He's retired by the Spurs and Arizona there. So, um, yeah, a bit of a throwback. I said to Woody um, earlier, I do have his uh, Detroit jersey as well, but I certainly wasn't going to be wearing well, that. Ninety-three All Star with Detroit, Andrews. Yeah, right. so yeah, yeah, it's right. a good effort, isn't it? All right. So I guess just before we continue, um, you might have sort of seen. I guess if I sort of do that. 
you might see one of your old shoes up there, uh, yes. Drew. So, well, um, I so I wanted to ask you a question about this little sort of piece of memorabilia I've got. Um, Woody's just going to put it up on the screen now so you can get a bit of a oh, look at it. So, very nice. Look, I bought that about 16 years ago, and it's it's definitely taken pride of place in my house. Um, you get a lot of, obviously, positive comments from people seeing it. Do you know, what reckon... the, do you know the main comment I'll get on that, Andrew? What a terrific shoe that is. A apart from that, they ask, <laughs> where's the other shoe? That's, yes. Everyone asks me that. So, right. Yeah, I don't know if you remember around that time when that would have taken place or where the other shoe is maybe. Yeah. yeah. What do you remember about that? that I only know because of the shoe. Hmm. So the shoe, that would have been, I want to say, 2005, mm -hmm. around about 2005. Right. Yep. Um, and that was probably the, the second uh, version of the shoe when I started to do my own shoe. Mm -hmm. And 2004 was the first year, and, um, and, and I think that that one – was a 2005 model and yeah i used to uh, wear the shoes and it was the latter stages i was it, i really probably shouldn't have been playing with the melbourne tigers back then it was right at the tail end of my career and um after every game i would i just wear the shoes once mm -hmm. and then give them away sign them just as part of promotion and just knew it was my last year so a lot of people back then it was a, a real treat for them to get a signed pair of shoes. So that's I donate a, a lot of charities, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, that's that was about 2005. And, of course, the photo is from the 2000 Olymp Sydney Olympic Games. I'm just and, glad you didn't say it was a fake or anything. So I'm, I'm pleased about that now. It's no, a, no, that is – and, and here I can actually say this. Hmm. That was not – that was a model of shoe that we sold, but not nowhere near as many as some of the others. So it's okay. a, it's actually a model that, that I, I would have, I, I dare say, I would have actually worn that in at least one game. Cool. That, that, that pair of shoes. Nice. <laughs> and nice. Unless you'd bought them and given them to me. But all the ones, this this might this piece might have been done by some charity. I don't know where you got it from. I think I got it off um, eBay in about I think it was two thousand and five or two thousand and six. It might have been off eBay right. there. Someone someone in Melbourne as well. So yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe I, I actually was after a game and I signed that shoe and some <laughs> using their entrepreneurial skills put that together and made a made a quid out of it. I so, so. Um, I, I tell you what, it was too heavy for them to post too. So I had to wait for my parents were down there one year for the Grand Prix. Right. They drove there, put it in the boot and drove it home for me. So it's had a, a pretty interesting <laughs> no. um, sort of story, that piece. Well, it's funny. You, you mentioned those shoes in from about two, I, I did the shoes from 2004 to about 2009 and then it tapered off and, um, it was. It started at the tail end of the year. From about 2000, after the Sydney Olympics, every year, at least once or twice a year, we, the Melbourne Tigers, we were doing these trips to China. And we were going to play against club teams. We played against their national team. We were becoming regular uh, opponents for the, the Chinese club teams or even the national team on certain occasions. And when we'd go there, at various cities, they'd – host us and they'd take us to certain areas which the, the, the region was renowned for. And this one was in um, it was in the Sharmin area, around mm. in Sharmin, and the Fujian province, it was called, I think it was, Fujian province, something like that. Mm. And that's where the vast majority of shoes are made out come out of China. And one of these teams we're playing, um, one of the sponsors was one of these shoe factories. And we went and actually did a tour of the shoe factory, and I was I, I was 
seeing how shoes are made and this whole process, I was enthralled by it all. And I was asking all these questions and getting the interpreter to ask all these questions and, and learning about shoes. And um, in it, I got an appreciation for the technology of the shoe, but also the cost of the shoe. Mm. And, and, and it was that, on one of those tours that the idea came to me. And it was a time when, Remember those back when Michael Jordan, the people were stealing people's bashing people up and stealing yeah. just for their shoes, right. and yep. shoes were two and three hundred bucks or a hundred, you know two hundred bucks, whatever it may be. And um, it was generally, I genuinely started it thinking, well, here's an opportunity to use my brand and anyone that's interested in me to to provide an affordable option for shoes, and, and that hand on heart, not a not a marketing pitch, not a sales pitch. That was 100% the, the, the reason behind it. And, and across those four or five years from 2004 to 2009, we sold over 500,000 pairs of shoes. Well, wow, great effort. Very low margin and I wasn't making any – I was basically – well, I wasn't doing it for nothing, but I was not getting – so people think, oh, you've made a buckload of money in shoes. It wasn't because I was in it just for the, the fun and the joy of seeing your shoes in a department store and, and hopefully um, – selling some shoes and, and, and for the kids that probably couldn't afford to pay that type of money. So ironically, as we speak, the last 12 months we've been doing the same and we're now in big W stores with our latest yeah. range and it's going really well. So We actually noticed that today. We also saw a little T-shirt, the alley-oop T-shirt you've got for you and Cobes yeah. there, which Woody said oh, he's going to buy it. today. I am going to buy that. Yeah, I love well, that. Well, yeah. here's the thing. We did it because um, a mate of mine did the design, did that design. And I was with Copes. I play golf with Copes yeah. twice a week. So, yeah, yeah. And I said, Copes, do you reckon anyone would buy it? I said, I've got the artwork. And, and again, through my contact in China, I said, I might get some of these made up. Honestly, we got 50, I think, made up. There were 25 white ones, 25 grey ones with the alley-oop caricature. So right. I don't think you will get it because I think they're sold out. Oh, what? And Man. they were sold out. So if we if we do a, re, a rerun, I'll, I'll – mm. um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll make sure I hook, I'll hit you up and let you know they're available. But, um, Thanks, Drew. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. No, perfect. but but there's I don't know if there's I, I'm not across at all. But I, I'm the last time I heard that I'm not sure there's there's too many left. So apologies for that. No, no, no worries. Well, I've I've got my one anyway, so I'm set. So. Oh, you've already bought one. No, no, just the one in the in the, in the picture there. No, not the actual oh. set, just the one <laughs> shoe. Yeah. Oh no, I meant the shirt. I thought you'd already. He's talking about the shirt. Yeah. The shirt. No, no, yeah, oh, the yeah. shirt, not the yeah. shirt. Yeah. No, no, okay. Yep. Yep. No. No, good good stuff. I well, appreciate a bit of that background there, Andrew. That's great. So, look, I guess just before we sort of get into the show, just for the for the viewers there, we're just going to have a, a bit of a chat with Andrew. We've got some great stuff to sort of go over with him there. Um, we'll just have a little bit of a chat about the MDL after that. Um, and, of course, we'll finish the show as we do each week, opening a pack of classic cards. So we've actually got a, a pack from around the year that, um, that Andrew was playing for Washington there. So we'll see if we can sort of come up with any funny stories or facts once oh, we open yeah. that anyway. So... All right, good stuff. See, so, oh, oh, you know what? I'm sensing a stitch up here. <laughs> no, de it's definitely, definitely unopened. Unopened. Well, I can tell you the story because it's probably won't, not going to happen here. But if you go on there, I played with the Washington Bullets, they were called back then. They yep. weren't yep. called the Wizards. They were called the Bullets. And um, played I, – I, you'd probably know better than I. I mean, maybe eight games across – Two 10 day contracts. Oh, I seven, can't even seven games because I've been through games. every box score in the last few days. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> so, played about seven games. So, it was at the tail end of the season. The, the, the Bullets couldn't make the finals. And 
they brought me over and, and it was honestly one of the thrills of my life playing mm. against them. But one of the games that I played in, we were playing against the Donnie Nelson coach, Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a, it'll eventually come to me, but there was a player on the team that, for the Warriors, you know, I'm not necessarily renowned for my athleticism or defensive prowess, but there was a, a guy, he was coming down, we're in the half court, drove down the middle. I came out to, came over to help out, went, got into a very fundamentally sound defensive position to take the charge, and he went up and dunked it and dunked it hard on me. Like this fierce, powerful dunk. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, it's not great. The fans are going crazy, whatever it may be. Well, bugger me if the next year the cards came out and um, this guy, who I will remember his name, this guy, his card, his playing card for the Golden State Warriors was me getting dunked on. It wasn't so, Billy, Billy Owens or Spreewell. It wasn't one of no, those. No, 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 it wasn't those. It'll come it to me. Oh, Tom Tolbert? Tom Tolbert? No, no. Tell me. It, it, it definitely wasn't Judd Buseless. I'm not no. going to ask you him. No, he had um, some bounce, though. Judd Buesler, he was a volleyball player. And that's right. And he had some really good hops, Buseler. Went on, he was famous. He went to the – to the. he was part of the Bulls through yeah, those, yeah, definitely, course, yeah. Yeah. those years. Steve Victor Bielsen, Alexander or Jeff Breyer? No, one of those no, two? No, no. Keep coming. Keep coming. Uh, oof. Um, Josh Grant, no, he only made no. one shot in that game. Um, it wasn't Chris Gatling. No, he was a bit uh, of a dunker back no, in the day. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep, have you got the stat sheet there? Is it? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only really the stars left. There's only. Well, I'll tell you. So there's Weber, Spreewell, Mullen, Gatling, Avery Johnson was the starting five. The bench was Keith Jennings, Billy Owens, Josh Grant, Jeff Grayer, Victor Alexander. Judd Buchler and Byron Houston. Byron Houston. Byron Houston. <laughs> hey, that was the only field goal he made that game, too. The one, one. The one, one of four. Now, yeah. now, in fairness, to don't – I mean, Google it, you'll see the card, but Byron Houston, he had a tough time of it. And yeah. so he had got ran into some problems post, yeah. you know, yeah. so – but hey, you, uh, out, you so, outscored him that game as well, so you got you, you got one over him. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but uh, but no, he 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 had this spectacular dunk. Now I don't know why, but in the card, maybe they felt sorry for me. In the card, I'm like this, and he's up and he's cocking <laughs> the ball back like this. And um, for for whatever reason, they took my name off the back of the jersey. Maybe because I wasn't, I was no longer in in the NBA, and they maybe if you're on a card, you've got to yeah. play. I don't know what the explanation was, but I actually might they the, the, it's just the red jersey and the number four. You'll see it. So if you Google it, Byron Houston player NBA player card, you see him dunking on a number four in a red jersey. That is me. <laughs> nice. I'll check that out. Yeah, good stuff. Well, look, I guess there's so much that we want to ask you, Andrew. Obviously, sort of just tried to pick a few things. Um, look. It, if, um, if you're willing to come back for another part two in another episode, we'll see how we go. But just obviously with the questions we've got here. So I wanted to start off, I guess, with you starting off as, as a rookie in the NBL at age 18 for the Tigers, um, what that was like. Um, also, what I was reading, it said you averaged 29 that year. So that's got to be a misprint, right, if you were an 18-year-old rookie. But anyway, what, what can you remember about that season? Yeah, well, well, it's a, it's a little bit of an anomaly because, yes, I was technically a rookie for the NBL. But I actually started playing with the senior Melbourne Tigers team when I was 15. 
And I was playing in the Victorian Basketball Championships, uh, which outside of the NBL was the strongest state competition in Australia at the time. And we were also playing in what was called the Southeastern Conference back then. It went on to be called the Seaball. It's now called NBL 1. But it was – and back then it was kind of like um, beta and VHS – the beta and so so back then in in, in the southeastern conference you had teams like Geelong ourselves uh, Frankston um, and there was a team in Hobart that there was a you know it was teams from Adelaide Victoria New South Wales and Tasmania were in this league and it was one where well who's going to survive is is it going to be the southeastern conference or the NBL now the NBL had a higher profile and we all know history shows that. It went to the NBL, but but back then, um, in my first year, after my second year, it might have been Geelong graduated from the Southeastern Conference, went to the NBL. Then Frankston, who are no longer in the league, but Frankston, yep. they went from there. And then the following year, uh, after we actually won the title, the Southeastern Conference title in 1983, and then we went on to go into the NBL in '94, in '84. Sorry, um, so so. Although it was my first year in the NBL and although I was only 18 years of age, I had already played two or three years against this, not the same depth, but this quality and this maturity, those types of players. Mm-hmm. I actually already had a couple of yeah. years of playing against those types of teams. So I'm very proud of being an NBL Rookie of the Year. I guess from a, a pure technical standpoint, if you mm-hmm. look at my uh, other levels of competition that I'd already been playing at for a very young age. I, you know, I, I was absolutely a rookie in that league, but I wasn't a pure rookie as such. Got it. So in a way it would almost be like Luke Travers winning it this year. It'd be a little bit different, but you know what I mean? He's still well, he's actually, as a rookie. Yeah. He's played what, three seasons already yeah. and played major minutes last season. So yeah, uh, good stuff with that. Well, look, I guess next I wanted to sort of just get a little bit of a um, sort of response from you. So when you were at your time with Seton Hall there in 1988, um, something that I really remember well, Woody, you were pretty young at that time. So you probably don't remember it remember it that well five but, years old man yeah that's it but obviously you moved over to newark new jersey to play college ball with the seton hall pirates there drewy um you helped yeah. the team on a deep ncaa tournament run um you had great games yourself against unlv and duke um before a tough overtime loss to michigan there um just wanted to know what sort of that college experience was like for you on and off the court um and what are your memories of those big ncaa games oh nothing but fond memories it was an incredible experience and one that um, when I look back on it, I feel privileged to have had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came about because at my club team, the Melbourne Tigers, we were doing a uh, – my dad was very good friends with the commissioner of the Big East Conference, a guy named uh, Dave Gavitt. And he invited – because he was mates with my dad, he yeah. invited the, us, the Melbourne Tigers, to go over – and play a series of preseason games against all the teams in the Big East. Now, back then, the Big East was the most yep. powerful conference. Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, they just mm. won uh, titles. Syracuse, Connecticut, massive conference. And um, so we went over there, and that year in 86, we were terrible. I think we might have finished last or second last on the, in the NBL table and only won three or four games. So we weren't great, but, um, but we, it was... Part of our own development, we were a younger team with uh, some of my teammates and myself, 
so we thought, well, this is going to be a lot of fun, good experience. So we went over and played those games and we did quite well. We beat Georgetown in on a, on a buzzer beater. We beat Connecticut. Um, you know, we had a, a couple of big wins and the last game of that series was against Seton Hall. And we played and, and they beat us. They had Mark Bryant in that team was their yep. most big man. Yep. famous player. He's an assistant coach in the NBA right now. But yep. uh, I did quite well. And straight after the game, the coach and the assistant coach, John Carroll. So PJ Colissimo was the yep. coach. John Carroll was the assistant coach. They approached me about coming on scholarship. And, and, and Andrew, can I interrupt? You've probably been modest again. You said you played quite well. How many points did you drop on Seton Hall? That, that I can't remember points? exactly, but it was <laughs> 30 plus, right? Yeah. Come on. Well, it might have even had a four in front of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> nice. Don't be so, bashful. Don't be so, bashful. Really but Don't that's be bashful. okay. So, but we lost the game, and it was our last game of the series. So, you know, we, we, we'd, we'd played eight games in 12 days or something. It was, it was a brutal schedule. So, we, um, uh, I was. Very committed. I'd already been to the 84 Olympics and just come off the 86 World Championships yep. where Australia didn't so, do so well. So I was honoured, but I, I my old, my goals were about playing for a, the Australian team. So mm. I declined to accept that. They wanted me to stay on right then and there. Like, you can become a scholarship player and after Christmas when next semester starts, you can actually be eligible to play. So, and I said no, but... And, and for the reasons being is that I wanted to play for Australia and I wanted to prepare yep. for the Seoul Olympics. Yep. So uh, fortunately, the assistant coach, John Carroll, was ruthless. <laughs> for the next two and a half years or whatever it was, there, there wouldn't be a week or a month go by where he wasn't calling. And, and back then, it wasn't like it is today where you just jump on Scott. But, I mean, their, their, their phone bill would have been off the charts because yeah. when he got on the phone, and it was just talking about basketball and obviously him saying, we want you to come and play. Can you come and play? And he was relentless. And then what happened was, in because of the Seoul Olympics in 1988, the NBL started the season earlier. So it might have started around January or February, finished, and then it was going to start in 1989 at its regular time in March, April, because we were a winter sport back then. Mm, yeah. So there was there opened up this window where – I could go to the Olympics, finish the Olympics, go to Seton Hall and play for Seton Hall. And I was older then. I was 23 years of age and mm. they were hoping that I'd get two years of eligibility. So I thought this is a fantastic opportunity. And as true as I sit here today, yes, I was motivated about the basketball opportunity, but because of my commitments to the Australian team and wanting to play basketball and playing with the Melbourne Tigers, I was struggling to get through my university degree. Wow. Couldn't, couldn't, you know, missing a lot of school. So in all seriousness, not only was it a fantastic opportunity to go over and play in the best conference in the United States and get great coaching for PJ Calissimo, but it was about, well, here's a chance to, to finish my degree because it's not like it is the young folk these days. We <laughs> were rank amateurs. It was costing us money. I was thinking about my long-term career, Thinking, well, I'm never, you know, I'm never going to make a much out of playing the game. So I was, it was all about getting my degree. So I, I did that. I went over there, joined a very, very good team, and of course went through to the championship uh, game against Michigan. Lost in overtime on one of the most horrific officiating decisions in the history of the sport. That was the Ramil Robinson free throws, right? Correct. Have you seen yeah. the end? 
Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the fun, you know, the thing about that at the time, I thought, gee, that's that's a tough call. Mm. And I never watched the game afterwards. I never, never. I just moved on. Disappointed, obviously, when you come so close, come right. short. But you move on. And it wasn't until uh, what was it, five or six years ago, when it was the twenty fifth, twentieth. It might have been the twentieth anniversary of well, a bit longer, five or six. Twentieth anniversary of the of the of the game. Mm. And Seton Hall did a, their own documentary on the game. It's on YouTube, actually. Yeah. And yeah. and they asked, they were interviewing me, and after that interview, they sent the video, you know, the DVD. They sent me a copy of the DVD to look at. And I actually saw the last few seconds. It was the first time I'd actually, you know, you saw it on the, I didn't really, like I said, you move on. Right. And I was more upset 20-odd years later <laughs> at seeing what took place and that call that enabled Ramil Robinson to go ahead and, and knock down a couple of free throws. I was more upset then of how much of a bum call it was than I was at the time. Good story. And they wouldn't have been able to review sort of calls back then like they're doing now and everything like that, would they? No. Back in 88. So, no, that's great. Look, as I said, we, we remember those, uh, you know, that experience very fondly. And, you know, maybe perhaps for some of our sort of, you know, younger viewers and, and audience there, you know, go on to YouTube and check out some of the highlights. So there's, I think there's a documentary and there's a couple of other things on there. I was just watching a little bit this morning there, but some that great highlights. That whole on there, actually. On yeah. yeah so. And obviously, you know, you had some great teammates on that team as well. So I definitely encourage people to, to check that out. So, all right, I appreciate that one. And look, probably after you know returning to Australia after that season, you know you continue to, to dominate in the league. Let's face it, um, and and you sort of went on to lead the Tigers to their first ever NBL title um, in 1993 with a two-one win against my my Wildcats in Perth. Um, I can still see that shot by Andrew Vlahov at the end. Um, wow. And look, I can still see you and, and Lindsay embracing there. And yeah, just wanted to sort of see. I guess it's you know it's some 29 years on there, Andrew. What are you what are your memories about that moment there? Well, I don't think I'll ever forget it because it was such an important part of uh, our club's history, my history, to share that moment with my dad. Um, as I've gone on to become a father and you, you, you have a greater appreciation mm. for how significant those types of moments are to be able to share uh, playing elite level sport with another family member. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether at the time I really appreciated as much as I do now. Yep. And, um, of course, it wasn't just about the Melbourne Tigers and the Perth Wildcats. The, the sport in general was going through this boom. Mm. And to be a part of that and to be contributing to the promotion of the sport and, and seeing the impact that that was having on so many people's lives, it, it was it was an incredible privilege. So, uh, you know, I, I still have nightmares thinking, well, how did that shot miss? You know, the fickle hand of fate works in mysterious ways. Yeah. And that was one where... Andrew Vlahov's shot did. I've never seen a ball go more into a rim and then come out. It was. Um, it would have been very, very hard to live with if we had to come up short on on that one. But definitely, we were fortunate enough to get the win. It was a. It was a important moment in my life and um, our team's life. But it's it's wrong to say. You know, I, I was certainly there and was a was a a, a piece of the puzzle, but. What a team. You know, we had Dave Simmons, we had Leonard, Leonard Copeland, we had Mark Ragdy, Rob Sibley. And it was it was a starting five that was um, 
always elite. It was. Who, yeah, who was your other import on that team with with LC? Dave Simmons. Oh, Simmons, of course. So, so, so two they were the two imports. Then, yeah. And yeah. then we had Ray Gordon, Stephen Whitehead coming off the bench. But we yeah. were, we 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 were. All the investment was done in the starters, and we, you know, the the, the, the other guys were great, really good role players. Yep. Um, but we, we were top heavy in it, and our starting five mm. were logging big, big minutes uh, in a 48 minute game. So it's a lot different to it the way it is now. But, you know, Mark Reggie, Leonard, Leonard Copeland wasn't the MVP that series. Ricky Grease was, man. They gave it to a Perth guy, yeah. man. And then in 97, hey, they gave it to your boy, Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, Ricky was fantastic. Take yeah. nothing away. He was incredible and he's one of the all-time greats of our league he's a, a bona fide sure superstars and i take nothing away from it but these days it's probably uh unlikely that they would no. give that award regardless of the impact of someone yeah. would need to be you know absolutely ridiculous yeah but i'm an afl fan of andrew it's like when chris judd won the norm smith when sydney you know beat him that year there was a lot of controversy about that so yeah. what he's wondering what i'm talking about now but anyway, yeah, they, they, they did they did you know chris i take they they did deserve it oh no no yeah yeah absolutely they, they were spectacular fantastic mm. but i think most days not most people these days believe that well regardless of the circumstances that it should be someone from the winning team but yeah. That, there's a very strong argument that you could put forward to say why the well, yeah, it just needs to be the person that did the best throughout the series. So, ah, tweeted it. We don't, we don't labour on that. Ultimately, it's the prize of winning the title that's the most significant. Hey, Drew, we're NBL historians, and when we look back on the history of our league, you know that moment with you and your father in, in that '93 series, it stands out, you know, in in, in our memories. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, like you said, you speak. Uh, I mean, you, you play golf with Leonard twice a week. And I wanted to ask you, right? He joined you as a teammate in 92 of the Tigers. And over the last 30-odd years, you, you've been teammates. You've coached together at my Sydney Kings. Yep. You know, you're, you're on the jump together. You know, you're in the commentary box together, which I'm loving, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's really good to see that bond and that friendship and how much it means to you guys. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, what that means to you and how that sort of, you know, lasted this long, you know? Yeah. Right? Well, I think fans will often hear, not just in basketball, but in a lot of team sports, that uh, about players or coaches referring about the journey and about the bonds that you uh, create that because of that goal and that common goal that you're collectively working to pursue, it's, if, you, if you don't uh, establish those relationships very unlikely that you're going to win the title. You mm. may, you may just through talent or up, but usually it's because you get this bond where you have this kinship amongst the group that extends beyond caring about a result of a basketball game. Yeah, that's that's the goal, and you you get very fixated on it. But there there is a greater care about the individual and the other circumstances that go along with. The, the, the basketball experience that becomes, uh, if not more important. And I think back to, to my time with the Australian team or, or, or probably with the club team, more importantly, because you spend more time with them, that they are the things that are, are more rewarding and mean more yep. than winning a championship. You know, right now with uh, my closest friends in the world uh, – 
guys that went through those experiences with, you know, and, and they are Mark Brakey, Leonard Copeland, Nigel Purchase, who wasn't there in 93, but we spent yeah. a, a lot of uh, time with. Yeah. Um, these guys that you just, they become your friends more than they do become your teammates. Um, so it's, it's one of the beauties of team sports. It's one of the reasons why with my kids, I didn't care what they played, but I really wanted to get involved in sports and in particular yep. team sports because of these relationships that you build. And um, well, I'm, I'm grateful to have those friendships. We, 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 we're more like brothers than we are yeah. friends because of the, 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 the amount of time we actually spend together <laughs> and, um, and, and how we try to help each other out and whatever we do. Yeah, you can hear that to this day, you know, you and Leonard. Uh, you guys like right? sort of giving yeah. each other a bit of stick <laughs> as well, you know. Like, yeah. Well, he, he's he, – we, we always – if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't laugh at anyone. You don't have the right to laugh at anyone if you can't – and a desire to uh, have fun. You know, there's a lot at stake for these NBL teams and the careers and the yep. playoffs. But at the end of the day – if you're not expressing joy and it's not bringing joy to you and others, then there's other things you can do. There's other ways in which you can fulfill those intrinsic rewards, which we all desire. So for us, there, there is a, an understanding that, that, you know, we can point out people's imperfections. We can share in some of the failures as well as the successes. And provided it's kept in a context, you can be very, very competitive. Like, you know, he, he, we talk more crap on a golf course than we ever did on a basketball. I can course. only imagine who, who normally comes out better on those, those golf games. Well, come on, be honest. Well, here's the, here's the truth. All right. <laughs> right now, he has a slightly better handicap than I do. Mm-hmm. But if you take the last six times we've played, oh, I've probably won off the stick four of those times. Nice. So, nice. right now, I'm doing quite well. Nice. But, you know, I mean, I've got to be fair. He wouldn't be fair. If he, if he was talking right now, he'd say, well, I'm better. <laughs> well, 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 it depends on how you want to look at it. If you want to look at the handicap, well, he, he is. But uh, I've won probably four out of the last six times. Nice. Nice. No, I appreciate that, Andrew. Look, I guess just I wanted to sort of go on to just to chat with you next about these two NBA stints that we sort of spoke about um, briefly before in the 90s there. So um, I guess I wanted to start with the Bullets. We sort of, you know, briefly touched on that. Um, seven games towards the tail end of the 94 season. Um, just wanted to see what your memories of that time were. Um, it's funny, two of your teammates in... Um, in uh, uh, Tom Gugliotta and George yeah. Murison, we've talked about a bit on this show before, and we've actually worn their jerseys. Yep. But yeah, just wanted to sort of see, you know, what that sort of time was like there, um, and, and what your sort of memories are with that little stint with the, with the boards there. Well, it is a difficult thing for players to come into a group uh, at that stage of the season, as mm. I was referring to you guys before about those bonds that you will get through, uh, and and that are well established by the tail end of a season. So you're coming in there and trying to find a way to, to feel like you belong and to feel like you fit in and, and to um, get somehow or other, figure out a way to try to start to see those bonds and relationships with those players. And, and, and they were great. There's some great guys on that, you know, 
uh, Rex Chapman was also yep. on this team. Brent Price was there too, wasn't he? Brent Price was there, and yep. um, and the Walker, late, the late, the late Ken, great Kevin Duckworth. Yeah. Kevin Duckworth, uh, Kenny Walker was on that yep. team. Scott He's Walker. a high flying real, oh, and, yeah. and Georgie Mirasan, the big yep. seven foot seven. He was there. Um, so the, they were under. Don McLean was another one. We pulled this card in a pack a few weeks ago. (laughs) And actually, uh, Drewy, you actually went up against Doug Overton in 92 in the NBL when he was at the Hawks. And then you partnered up with him, right? Yeah, played alongside him in in that short period there. So it was was only two 10 days. So it wasn't a long period of time. But for me, it was a joy. And, you know, my excitement was there. And I've spoken to Rex Chapman uh, following that and when our paths have crossed or whatever it might be. And that he and Brent laugh at some of the things that I would do because I was so excited, you know. I remember after the first game where I was there, we actually got a win. We played Denver. Was it Denver? I think it was Denver. It was, And yeah. hands in. And I was like, oh, and I was screaming bullets where there. This is <laughs> game 60-something of an 80. They're like, where, and they were like shocked because I yelled out bullet because I was so excited about um, being a part of this group, getting a win, and uh, so so it was it was difficult because you know you, you've got professional guys concerned about their contract, a team that wasn't going to be in the playoffs. Not easy to to come in in those situations, but. Wes Unsold was the coach. I was yep. going to ask about the, the late sort of Wes Unsold, obviously an absolute NBA legend. What was he like as a coach? You had Jeff Bizdelic, I think, as the assistant on that. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. I don't remember Jeff all that much. I do mm. re- certainly remember uh, Wes. Yeah. And yeah, it was hard for him as well. Mm. You, you know, uh, not a lot of practice time. So for me, the hardest thing is coming in, you're thrown into the situation. You don't have a – there's very few practice days. Mm. So you're playing a lot and I'm trying to learn their structure and their systems on the fly. And um, there's a whole, it just makes it really difficult. And you're really relying on your instincts. And for a guy like me who never had success from using athleticism, I was more a product of structure, Mm -hmm. you know, offensive structure, getting the right level of structure on the defense to not be exposed. They were very important for me to be able to contribute and when you don't get to practice and you don't have an intimate understanding of the structure, it's very hard to, to make a, a significant impact. But the thing that I got out of it the most, and it was more a personal thing because the stats and the numbers do not validate uh, what I'm about to say, but I got peace of mind in that been playing overseas, been playing here in the NBL and, of course, with the Australian team, and you're always curious about whether your abilities could hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having seen that, seen these other players getting brief experience to play against other teams, the greatest thing it gave me was peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, like I said, it wasn't going to be validated to others because the numbers and, and the contribution were so really insignificant. But it gave, it validated in my own mind that, hey, you know, in the right set of circumstances, I wasn't good enough to play on any team, but in the right set of circumstances that maybe there could have been a role for me. And and back then, in the NBA, was there 10, 
foreign players in the whole league. I mean, there there was not. It's not like it is today. No, not so at all. It was, Definitely not. There were different challenges. It was a different era, different moments. But it did provide me with a tremendous peace of mind mm. that I felt like I could contribute. I'm assuming Luke would have been the only other Aussie in the league at that time in '94, wouldn't he? Um, um, unless I've missed someone, I no, I think it must have just been you two at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Chris Anstey came in '97, I think. He was yeah. after, yeah. 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 Well, that's I guess a bit of a segue, just probably for your, your second stint um, over there as well, there, Andrew. So, look, as I mentioned at the start, you know, you played with the San Antonio Spurs in that '1999 season, um, the season, and obviously the Spurs won the championship. Um, you went 16 and three in the 19 games you played there, so pretty good effort there. Um, just wanted to see, yeah, what yeah, was, can I say that? Mm. I was a 40-point player. Yeah. The only time I was getting 90 for a 40 points up or 40 points down. <laughs> Fair so, enough. So, With the Spurs, that would have happened a bit, right? So, yeah, and they're a really good team. So most of the times, you're saying I got the W. In not one of those, how many, how many did you say, 16 19. wins? 19. Oh, 16 wins. Three, yeah. 19 in, games, in, in yeah. not one of those 16 wins, what did I have any, could take any responsibility for the win and not, and, and well, I guess on the flip side, it was junk time when we were getting our asses kicked that I was in in those losses. So I, I was um, really irrelevant. I, you know, as far as making a contribution on the floor as a player, very irrelevant. I, I did my best to, to not be a hindrance, to, to do the very best I could. Um, I think I was well-received. I got made some tremendous friendships. Um yeah, I was going to say, Drew, I've heard Malik Rose and Steve Kerr both speak very fondly about the time they spent with you in those years, right? And I'm yeah. sure you're in touch with them occasionally. Uh, I was. Time time. Yeah. I was in touch with um, Malik a lot during my time with the Sydney Kings. Yep. Because he was like an assistant general manager with um, uh, Philly, wasn't it? Sacramento or... as Sacramento, well. Sacramento, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. Uh, Brandon Williams was another teammate. Right. He was yeah. in the same situation as me. He was a part of the 15-man roster, Brandon, Brandon mm. Williams. He was the general manager or, or the assistant general manager of Philadelphia. Um, so a lot of these guys I, I, I got to see. Uh, I, I spoke to Steve Kerr a little bits and pieces, but, you know, I, don't, I have, certainly haven't kept it in touch with him, yep. but spent a lot of time with him. He was one of my closest friends on the team, him and Will Perdue. Yep. Um, nice. And Malik was there, uh, but just a tremendous bunch of guys. Uh, really enjoyed the experience to be there, to be part of the group. And the best thing I can say about me is I wasn't a distraction. Yeah. I wasn't a distraction. I didn't cause many problems and just very grateful for, to have that opportunity. There was, a, there was a game you played in there, Andrew. I think it was February 99 I wanted to ask you about. And look, obviously testing the memory here, but you played against the Suns. Um, now that Suns team featured your four, two former teammates in Tom Gugliotta and Rex Chapman yep. and also featured the big Lynn redhead. Longleys. Yeah, do you remember that? And, and if I'm game? not mistaken, I don't think he played in that game. Was Charles in that game? Um, it's a good call, actually. I could have that up before. I think um, he was injured a lot of that season. Um, now, we beat them... I didn't play in the game, um, but we beat them at their place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Luke, when we were in Phoenix, and we beat them at the buzzer on a get that jersey out on a Sean Elliott three at the buzzer <laughs> to nice. beat the Suns in the Suns. And 
the night before I went, Luke took me to his house, spent some time with Luke. And one of the things that I remember, and I don't know if Charles actually played in that game. I'm getting the box score up right now. Yeah, so. good man. I'll tell you what, one of the most memorable things that happened in that game was the next day after I spent the night with Luke, we came back and we were at shoot-around in the morning and the, the, the Suns had shoot-around after it. And where we were under the uh, venue where the bus would come and pick us up, we were walking there and they were coming in and Luke was coming in. So I was talking to Luke again just outside the bus. And I remember Charles Barkley was got out of his car and was coming over and he said g'day to Luke. And I kid you not, he looked, g'day. We didn't say g'day. Hello, Andrew. Wow. He knew my name. <laughs> he knew my name. And it was one of the biggest buzzes I got. Freaking Charles Barkley knows my name. It was, now, I think he would have probably remembered it from our times with the um, Boomers. With in the 96 boomers. when Shane Hill really, really pissed him off, right? Correct. Yeah. That was so 96. I, yeah, right. I think it was more to do with that than anything else. Yeah. But I was still one of the great thrills. Hey, Jason Kidd had a triple-double in that game, by the way, which obviously right. wasn't happening that often back then. So he had 14 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists. And he took zero three-point shots. And we know yeah. how he obviously changed his game to become a three-point shooter there. So, no, interesting. I thought I'd just sort of see what you – I guess your sort of memories were with that, Andrew. Really appreciate that. Yeah, no, that. I've got some good – I've got really fond memories of my time. And it's not just with the, um, with the players. Living in San Antonio, the way in which they embrace me, it, it's – it's a it's a Spurs town. They don't have a football mm. team. They yep. don't have a lot of major other sporting or teams that actually come out of uh, San Antonio. So they love their Spurs yep. like no other. And the way in which the community, the players, the administration, the, the guys in the media, I hung out on the road a lot of the times with some of the, the guys that would travel with us were in the media. <laughs> and just, just a really, you know, like anything, you don't, Unfortunately, you lose contact, and it's a lot harder these days than it was. A lot harder back then it is these days because of, you know, social media and the way in which mm. you keep contact with people. But I don't have a lot to do with many of them, but they certainly are in are in my my head, and I've got very fond memories of them. Well, Gaze, you started a class team. Yeah. Well, Gaze, you started the trend of Australians in San Antonio. Since then, Shane Hill, you know, Paddy Mills, Aaron Baines. Now you got Jock Landell, Maddie Nielsen. You started yeah. that trend, that's man. That's true. So, well, yeah. I think it's probably more, <laughs> probably more coincidence than anything else. But that's yeah. Greg Popovich. I, I think yeah. with us, Steve Buford is the general manager and Greg Popovich is the coach. They were one of the, the, the first uh, adopters of international play. And uh, recruiting guys that went beyond the skills on the floor, mm-hmm. recruiting yeah. guys that were good teammates that clearly you need a, a level of skill, but would buy into a culture, yeah. would buy into a system. And the Europeans, because of the, the environments they've come through, playing senior basketball from a very early age, uh, were, were different. And I think it was recognised by the Spurs and, and later clearly by the entire league right now. But back then, it was uh, it was a privilege to be a part of that group. 
Good stuff. Well, so look, I really wanted to, I guess, probably just finish this part of the show there, and I guess talk about the, you know, the all those years of service you have, you know, representing the Australian Boomers there. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you played in five consecutive Olympics from '84 up until 2000. Um, then look, in the 2000 Olympics, um, you were selected as the, as the Australian team Olympic flag bearer. Um, just wanted to see, Andrew, how much did that mean to you, and how special was that leading out the Olympic team in front of all the home fans? Yeah, it was the highest honour, I think you can have as an athlete to be recognised by those that are making the decision. And it's one person. It's the chef de mission that makes the decision who the flag bearer is. And, in fact, you're actually named as the captain of the team and part of the responsibilities are of the captain is you You are the flag bearer. Well, that certainly was the case back then. I don't know if it's changed since. But um, to, to be recognised by your peers that way is something – Really special to be mm. recognised with a group. We're lucky here in Australia that we produce some incredible athletes and yep. to be seen to be worthy of such a tremendous honour is humbling. And it's one that it's one of the greatest experiences of my life to, to be uh, recognised in that way. And the honour of carrying the flag is, is special. And when it's in your home country, back then, Stadium Australia, in its configuration for the Olympics, held, I think, 115,000 people, 120,000 mm, people. huge, wasn't it? And then to walk out in Stadium Australia, representing Australia, carrying the Australian flag, um, and getting the support from all the other athletes, it was a very special moment and one that I'm incredibly grateful for. And what was even better in that 2000 Olympics, you pretty much didn't miss a shot either, did you? Do you recall how good you feel? I was looking at the stats there. Woody just I'd had this up before. So in that 2000 Olympics, from the two-point area, Andrew was 30 from 35 shots. Yeah, it was – well, you know, a lot of layups, oh. um, uh, you know, and, and I think in that, that series too, and in fact, if you look back, my numbers – in the NBL, where it was a 48-minute game and you're playing, and I was playing 47 of 48 minutes, you know, the numbers were a little exaggerated. But um, back then with the Australian team, I was um, getting getting opportunities, but it wasn't like the same. So the volume of points that I was averaging wasn't the same, but um, with the teammates around me and the way it was designed, uh, you know, even, I can't remember exactly, but I remember from the three-point line was pretty decent as well. So it was decent um, everywhere. Yeah. So, but but that was because I wasn't taking bad shots. It was one of those where you're not forced because of playing long Shane Heal, Mark Radke, Luke Longley, Andrew Vlahoff, yep. uh, all those guys that we had on that team. Um, Brett Maher, Martin Catalini were there. Uh, yep. Ricky Grace was in that team. Yep, was, there was yep. a lot of a lot of different options, and because of a lot of different options, I could be very selective and remain pretty high percentage. Well, well those percentages, Woody. I think Andrew's being modest again. But look, we talk about the old 50, 40, 90 thing there. So for that two thousand yep. Olympics, eighty six percent from the two point line, forty four from three point line, and his usual ninety four percent from the free throw line. So yeah, well and truly had the 50, 40, 90 covered in that one. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And unlike it is today, too, there was more games back then. Yeah. Mm. So it was harder. It was it, it, it's. I look back and and even the way it was this. Last Olympics, where you had the three games. That's it. Yeah, and you could be out after three yeah. games. Yeah, it's um, 
and, and really in that 2000 uh, Olympic team, I think it was fatigue that got us at the end. We had the semi-final, then we lost that one, and then played off to the bronze the very next mm. day. And, and, and we unfortunately we were cooked. Yeah. Was we that the cooked. best squad? Do you think you played with for Australia that 2000 uh, team, or is the there another one? That... The 96, 96 one was yeah. our yeah. closest we yeah. come in that bronze medal game because of the way the pools were. We had this incredible win in the quarterfinal. Remember Tony Rolson hit the three? The yeah, we do. Um, against Croatia. We but because about, yeah. of the, the, the pool system, we actually had to play against the United States in to get to the gold medal game. Yeah. Mm. And they were, they were a stacked team. So we lost that one. And then we played against Lithuania yep. in the bronze medal game who had Sabonis. Yep. Was yeah, Marshallonis. <laughs> yeah, Sabonis, Marshallonis was there. Yeah. Uh, that, they, they had a great team. And... Down the stretch, we had a chance to win. We might have, I want to say, two or three minutes to go. I think we cut it to two. We might have cut it to three, and it was bloody Avita Sabonis that hit a couple of threes down the stretch. Mm, yep. Which he, he could hit him, but that's not what he's renowned for. No, no he didn't even jump when he shot those ones. I can picture no, that. No, and, yep. and he made a couple of huge ones that that uh, that really cost us. But that was they were great. The, the, the Atlanta games, the Sydney games, and the Seoul games where we played off for a medal they were they were fantastic experiences to be and what did what did tokyo mean for you last year i mean look obviously we saw your emotions saw, sort of covering right? that woody and i were a little bit like that as well not afraid we to say but yeah, yeah how did that sort of we feel were. you know just to, after being part of the boomers for so long and sort of playing such a big role with them just to to see them win and, and how do you see that the boomers future looking yeah, I think that the way I try to think of an analogy on what it is when you become a part of the boomers, it's like becoming part of the mafia. Once you're in, it's very hard to get out. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 uh, you're a part of this organisation that you feel obliged to honour, represent, in a good way, of course, mm-hmm. And you, although it was many, many, many years ago where I was contributing, uh, you still feel this kinship and this spirit of this goal that we had yeah. that went beyond me. And it, you are indoctrinated into the boomers culture when you, you're there. And, and it's different. But for me, when I was first coming in, it was Phil Smythe, Larry Senstock, Ian Davies, yeah. uh, Wayne Carroll. These are the guys that were educating me about being a boomer and knowing near the resources they have these days back when I was first starting, but the goal was always the same. Represent Australia at the highest level, uh, represent it with dignity and honour, mm. help propagate the game, help um, help your teammates and the way in which we come together to share this, this common goal. Yep. And although like I said, no longer involved, you still like you're part of, you still feel like you're part of the journey. Definitely. And um, and plus you play with about half the squads, like, you know, dads in some capacity in another right in that team. Well well that's there there's some but but the thing about the this is for me, it was a little bit more emotional because of what my father's contribution to the game and mm-hmm. his you know, playing in three Olympic games, coaching in four and just to see his life dedicated to growing the game, mm. providing opportunities at, for people at the grassroots level in the old adage of build it and they will come being the mantra for his way of trying to uh, bring the game to the people 
primarily here in Victoria, but really throughout the country, is something that as a youngster, I knew nothing different. And to see the blood, sweat and tears, the toil to achieve that goal uh, and unsure in your own lifetime whether you would be able to witness or whether my dad would be able to witness it, to finally see that first step uh, meant was drawing a lot of emotion and probably the thing that got me emotional the most was you never know how others are going to react to that Mm. medal but I actually commentated the game and I felt pretty good and was more excitement and jubilation and then I was on that Shinya program afterwards and there was a quick turnaround it might have been a 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes between the end of that game before the Shinya program started. So I was out there getting changed, doing other things, talking to Andy and Lisa Stalaka who were on the show, yep. getting ready for the show. And literally just a few minutes before we were to go on, I checked my phone and I couldn't stop scrolling with people sending messages to me and expressing gratitude to me. And that's when that's the thing that created the motion emotional component for me. So I went on that set thinking just humbled by the the, the incredible outpouring of people uh, acknowledging my contribution. Now, like I said, in in a real sense of the word, I had bugger all to do with this particular team. And like I I was. 20-something years ago that I was actually involved in the Boomers. I've had virtually no other involvement mm. in the Boomers since then. Um, so it was it was just really humbling that people would want to share that with me. No, excellent story there. Look, really appreciate those responses there, Drew. Some, some great sort of, you know, sort of trip down memory lane there. I had a, a couple of little sort of quick ones that I just wanted to throw at you just before we just go into a little bit of NBL talk. Um, just a few quick ones. We don't want to keep you here all day. But um, I just wanted to see um, one thing when I was going through all these, um, you know, box scores and everything else like that. Had you realised that you actually played with or against the three tallest players in NBA history? Had you realised that? So you played with Big George. I did not. You, you played against Manute Bowl and Sean Bradley. So I thought that was a pretty random. I did not know that. Random fact <laughs> there, right? Well, you know, yeah. Sean Bradley, he's a Mormon. Yeah. Sean he was Bradley, over here, wasn't he? I remember. He yeah. Played, yeah. Yep. He On was a mission. Sydney, yeah. And he was there here for two years mm-hmm. uh, doing, I think it was two years, part of his Mormon mission. Now, yep. unfortunately, and we send our we do. prayers and yeah, wishes to Sean Bradley. He was involved yep. in an accident and he's got some significant challenges. Um, yep. So... Uh, but yeah, he was he was a uh, a big fella that had a, a pretty decent NBA career. Yeah, and everyone sort of just talks about him getting dunked on and stuff all the time. How about all the stuff that he did? You know, the amount yeah. of sort of block shots and shot, shots that he changed. Um, the other one as well. This is probably sounds like a bit of a, a fan sort of question, but just something I couldn't see from my little investigations. But did you ever play against Michael Jordan? Because no, I, I did not. You, okay, and just to let the sort of the, the audience know there. So in '94, when you were with Washington, Jordan was really badly playing baseball. In 99, when you were with the Spurs, Jordan had retired. And then in the 84 Olympics, which Jordan played, and then, of course, the Dream Team in 92, Australia didn't play the US there. So isn't that interesting? Okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's an unfortunate one. I did have an experience with Michael Jordan uh, in 84. The the 84 Olympics was – there was two villages. There was UCLA and USC. They were staying at UCLA. We were staying at USC uh, Mm. campus. Um, But – 
there was a time when the, our paths crossed, but this isn't a period where Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan. Yeah, he was, he was, he was Mike Jordan at that yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, he, he's playing in North Carolina, and obviously everyone was really high on his potential, but yep. I don't think even the most optimistic person would have thought that he was going to have the impact on the sport that he eventually yep. did. Everyone knew he was going to be great. He was always going to be great. But I don't think anyone predicted that he was going to be the greatest of all time back in 1984. So you've probably answered one of my questions there. I was going to sort of say, how do you sort of feel on the old LeBron versus um, MJ debate there? But you've just answered it there, right? Well, I, I, yes. I, I think yeah. LeBron uh, is is catching up. And if you had yeah. asked me four or five years ago, I would have thought there'd been daylight between them. Yeah, likewise. And, yeah. and but, but really, with what we're seeing of LeBron, his longevity... Um, the way in which he's been able to maintain his game at an incredibly high level, um, the, 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 it, the gap is small. The other thing mm-hmm. is, too, people dismiss Kobe in this conversation. Yep. I, I don't dismiss Kobe in that conversation. Now, I still think Michael Jordan is the greatest, but Kobe was something incredibly special as well. Yep. And, and, and even for me, I have a little bit more of an emotional attachment to uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. I, I clearly I think Michael Jordan's the greatest, but what Larry Bird and Magic Johnson did for the sport of basketball, absolutely, I think goes a little under the radar. Yeah, there yep. are the, the, the rusted on real basketball people understand how the NBA was before. Um, Bird and Magic came along. Yeah, that's what yeah. got me into you know the early eighties when they were advertising all the Converse weapons. I think they were called. You know, they, they had all the ads back then, and yeah, absolutely. But not only that, they were winning, and they were superstars. Yeah, and yeah. it was at a period where before they came along, the league was the NBA was on the nose. Yeah. They had a lot of scandals mm. with substances and yeah. other issues. There was not not even live te- game. The, the finals were on delay. It was not. And Michael, excuse me, Magic and Larry and closely followed on the footsteps of that, or not on the footsteps, during their heyday, mm-hmm. Michael comes along and goes to another level. But if not for Larry and Magic, I think the game would be a lot different now if it Good was point. not for their contribution and their greatness in the sport as well. So they all contribute, but um, those two... Uh, are right there as well. Well, Andrew, you say um, Kobe, right? And I always say to people, you talk about Michael Jordan and Kobe, there's a comparison there, but you, th- you talk about Magic Johnson, you know, slightly bigger guy who's very unselfish, likes to pass the basketball. You know, you can make more of a comparison with Magic and LeBron in terms of the way they played and then Kobe and Michael, right? Even though there's always the... Well, the, you, know, yeah. you know the other thing that sticks out, and this is an old guy um, reflecting back and, you know, talking about olden days. But I would – I'm the thing that sticks out to me is that it was a different era and you had different challenges. The athleticism now and the depth of athleticism with the players is, is, is more than what it was back there, tick that box. Mm-hmm. It was brutal back there. What Jordan had to go through, the physical oh, yeah. beating – and the physical nature of the game is completely different to what these guys are, are dealing with. And that wear and tear, and, and, and maybe it's one of the reasons why LeBron's been able to keep going and, and do something incredibly special. But 
you know, take nothing away from him, but it would have been a different set of circumstances of the challenges he would have faced mm. yep. when guys are actually literally banging, bashing, punching, brawling, all those areas you can't do any of that anymore. Um, so it, it, it makes it hard to compare eras, but yep. physically I think it was a little more challenging back then than it is today, albeit that you're dealing with greater athletes these days. Absolutely. Well, not greater athletes. The depth of greater athletes is mm. much better. And I think the skill set as well for some of the bigs and everything like that. I mean, you know, the, the way the bigs sort of, you know, play the game now outside the, you know, the key and obviously being a lot more athletic. go in there. Yeah. You know, post up, you come no. down blazing away from the three-point line. It's, I, mean, it's... I love three-pointers as much as everyone, but I watch the game now and I'm sounding like the old man as well now, Andrew, but just I think yeah, you start off inside, get that po- low post game going and work your way out. But, I mean, you know, the old thing, three points is worth more than two is something you, well, you sort of keep hearing, right? But... It is, and, <laughs> and they shoot it so well. But mm. I think the aesthetic of the game is important and, it, and it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. But for me... Um, I admire the games. I watch more NBA basketball than any, I think, most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see a lot of it, and I absolutely love it. So it's, I'm not – but it, it is very consistent. Mm-hmm. Almost each team's are, yep. are running the same stuff. They're all – I can't I can't tell you what these days is a good shot and a bad shot <laughs> because some of the shots that they take, mm-hmm. my goodness. Uh, back in our day, it was they, – they, they would have been seen as – just stupid, outrageous shots. Yeah. Um, but the game has evolved where they're no longer stupid, outrageous shots. They're just a normal shot. You know, you see a guy, I don't know if you watched the game the other day, a guy dribble, get in coast to coast, go all the way into the basket, continue the dribble, come out to the three-point line and shoot a three-point field goal. Yes, that was – I seem to remember the commentators. Yeah, I forget what game that was, but I think I did see that as well. And, yeah. and, and bigs – doesn't matter who you are. Everyone's got to be – it has a license seemingly to come down and blaze away from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the system, it's very much read and react. Let's throw in some concepts and then you guys just play off it. Whereas back in our yeah. day, it was a lot more structured. Yeah. Well, Could NBA you picture was, big Luke Longley popping out the top of the, the, the key for a long three there? Or what? Well, there's a lot of players that you could look back on yeah. and you think, well, how would they fit in today's game? Mm. I think Luke would be fine because you can yeah. pass the – he was he a decent free throw shooter, wasn't he, as well? Like, yeah. And he could pass the ball so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that you adapt and do different things. But, yeah, it is different. Um, but there are many elements of how it used to be played that I miss. No, that's great. Well, look, really appreciate it, Andrew. I had some other stuff there. I'm just conscious of time there. So, as I said, if we get you back for another time, I'll save some of those. But I had a few ones. Um, but I just wanted to maybe have a bit of NBL talk there, um, just to sort of um, – I guess we just wanted to sort of see, you know, noting that the season's been pretty interrupted due to COVID there. Um, yeah. Just if um, – how, how you've sort of see, seen the season going to date. Um, is there maybe a standout team or a couple of players that maybe have impressed you so far? Um, yeah, well, I think the players that – I've really enjoyed watching so far, and there are many, many. But the, the, the top ones, I always like watching Bryce. The work mm. that he does off the ball as well as on the ball, comes up he, he, is, he is a delight to watch. And, yeah. you know, he's not shooting the ball as well this season no, he as he had in the past. But but still, the, 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 the way in which that he works with his teammates both on and off the ball is, is a joy. Strangely enough, his teammate, Vic Law, is a stud. Mm-hmm. He can shoot the ball inside, outside, rebounding full, um, really high basketball IQ. In fact, 
I think that he also went to – I think he went to North – did he go to Northwestern? I think he might have went to a highly academic <laughs> college as well. I can't remember where he went. Yeah, I don't um, know this one. Some, but, but he's a super smart basketball player. And along the, the same lines – Northwestern, yep. Was it Northwestern? Yeah, yep. which is a which is a, a – it's an academic school. Mm. When you hear um, him speak, you, you can tell as well. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah. And, and Roa Franks is another one. Oof. That's very similar in many respects to Vic Law. The, the way yeah. inside, outside, um, plays well with his teammates. He's an unselfish guy, buys into a system. They, they are just real uh, super players. I've been um, really impressed with Joe Chi from the, 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 the Phoenix. Now, I know he, he didn't have a great one against Brisbane a couple of nights ago, mm. but his shot blocking... He's he's different. He runs the floor. He can he, he hasn't been shooting a lot, but seeing some of his games when he was in China mm-hmm. and uh, and with the Chinese national team, he actually has a perimeter game. Okay. Now we haven't seen a lot of that with Phoenix, but inside outside the rim protection there is is, is being great. So, um, you know, off the um, off the top of the head, I'm sure there's plenty I'm missing, but you know, you put me on. I, I am I'm not real prepared for you. What well, it's actually at the at the start of the season, Andrew, when we had to choose our you know award winners. Robbie went yeah. with Joe Chi as MVP, and I went with Vic Law as MVP. Right? But they all laughed at me when I said Joe Chi. <laughs> no, we did. We did laugh at him. We did, we did yeah. laugh at him. Yeah, that's only because I didn't want to pick Bryce Cotton and be a Perthheimer, so I wanted to pick someone different. But you know, no, and 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 that's fair enough. But um, but they're they're all good candidates, that's for sure. Hey Andrew, um, I just want to ask you a little bit about my Sydney Kings here. You know, losing Jordan Hunter for the season, RJ Hunter's out for the season now. Yeah. I hear that they're going to get maybe Matt Mooney, yeah. you know, to come and join. But well, I think... not, he was on a ten day, wasn't he? Oh, he right. might still be on a ten day. Oh so, man! So that mean that would be highly optimistic. But you know, sometimes those guys they're on the fringe. They know they're only going to pick up a ten day, and they're that they're looking for either a new home where they can settle down and be part of a franchise and be, yep. feel like you're contributing beyond just any particular game. You're part of the whole group. So so that it may be a possibility. That- but there's a glaring issue here with, you know, Jarrell Martin playing the five. Then you've got Galloway coming in playing the five. There's a, there's a hole there, you know. We need a, a proper centre potentially to, to you know, what do you think there, you know, like? No, I think that they've got enough there with Jarrell Martin. He's, he's a... Um, He's a star. You know, yeah, he's a we star, know you. We know you love Jarrell, man. Oh, he was. Yeah. He, you know how you guys made your preseason predictions. Yep. Um, he was my uh, preseason prediction for, for MVP. Mm. But I think when you look at him now, I know Xavier Cooks is not a five man, but when they play small ball, Xavier yep. Cooks can can play a bit as well. Um, they, they've they, they've been able to find players that have been given an opportunity and and made uh, made the the most of it, I mean, you're going to help me out with names here. The, the Bales kid. Yeah, Bilali. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we had his coach on our, on our show recently, his, his trainer. So. You know, he, he's been really good. The, 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 um, DJ Vasiljevic yep. is, coming is a back guy that's, that's, yep. that's coming back in. Uh, Maker yep. is, is a guy that can can pinch him and maybe give you a few minutes yep. uh, in the, in, in the, um, the centre spot. But I think right now, with the way that our, um, Chase Buford is coaching the team, that it, it, it lends itself to p- the so-called positionless basketball. Yep. So I think what he would that what he is doing, provided 
Jalen Adams holds up. Yep. I think he is going to be a really, really good player in our league. Oh, hell yeah. He can shoot it, he can pass it, he can run a team. And he's had some injury setbacks. So I, I wouldn't judge him just on what you've seen so far, but judge him on his uh, G League and other things that he's done. I think that he's going to – and provided you believe he can hold up and stay healthy, then I think what they should be doing is just get the best available player. Right, Okay. The best available. And they, they run a lot of five-out motion. Yep. Yeah, they've got their sets, but the floor is very spread. So they're not they're not looking to dominate, you know, run their offensive structure that, that's keyed on posting people up. It, it, yep. it's, it's There's a lot of variety. And with what the players they've got, I think that they've got enough versatility on the defensive end where you don't necessarily see a glaring weakness. You can identify weaknesses, but there's nothing – there that you say one particular player is going to be the panacea to our problems on the defensive end. So because of that and because of the world we live in right now and the difficulty is to get players, get the best player, whatever they are, and they'll be able to make him fit in. Good call. Yeah, nice. Perimeter, if I was going to err on the side of something, and it doesn't matter what position, because we've seen it, Jarrell Martin, he can knock it, but I think they would welcome some permanent scoring. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what RJ Hunter was supposed to provide, right? Supposed to do. Yeah. Unfortunately, let's hope yeah. he recovers well. Yeah. Um, Leonard Cope was worried because his position as the greatest ever player out of Georgia State to come to Australia was going to be in challenge. So now that's no longer. Uh, I don't think that was ever in doubt, man. <laughs> that was never going to be challenged. <laughs> nice. And now, Woody, I know there's been a lot of changes with the schedule. Did we still want to go through the games? Up to you, mate. I know, like, oh. obviously, there's been a game cancelled on Sunday already, but uh, what we've done be, a little. I was yeah, we're commentating that game. Oh, really? So you got the, the afternoon off to go I'll and play bring it up. with LC now, right? Yeah. Bring it up real quickly. All right, sure. yep. So we've got a pretty, just... pretty four round. What do you got there, Woods? Yeah, let's just quickly go through the games and we can give our, you know, who's gonna, who, who we think is going to take him. Um, so Brisbane, Sydney tomorrow. I'm obviously going to go with my Kings, you guys. Brisbane for uh, sure. I like, I like Brisbane in this one. I think they're going to go through a period of adjustment for Sydney Kings. I do like the Sydney Kings, but I think Brisbane playing well. Yep. yep, being a bit of a Sydney Kings moment there. All right, Adelaide versus Melbourne. I've got Melbourne for sure. Uh, I don't Adelaide know, I wouldn't say well for against... sure. Adelaide looked all right the other night, didn't they? Yeah, I wouldn't say okay, for sure. Okay, maybe not for sure. But yeah, I'll tip them. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Troy there. Yeah. Uh, Hawks versus Wildcats. This is going to be a good game. Um, mm. Probably take the Hawks at home after Perth Wildcats lost. No, to, I'm taking the, the Hawks the other night, but I'm taking the Hawks because coming off yep. a, a loss, Brian Gorge is going to have them cranked up, yep. and the Hawks at home. I'll say Perth, but hey, yep. I'm not going to say the Hawks anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You're not. And I'm going to go out to this game at Kudos Bank Arena. Robbie, you're not going to come with me, are you? I'm probably not, mate. I've got to wait for this booster thing. You go, you go out and enjoy it. I'll come to the next game with you. All right. Good well, on I, you, I got bro. my Kings at home. <laughs> I, got my, I got my booster I got... a couple of weeks ago. Nice, nice. Likewise, Drew. Likewise. So I got my Kings in that one, you guys? Uh... I'll say Kings. If I'm picking Brisbane in the, the Brisbane home, I'll pick Sydney at Kudos. This is a tough one, but I'll, I'll, I think you're making sense there, Rob. <laughs> All right, Cairns, New Zealand, we just talked about that. I mean, Cairns have played four games. That's it. Yes. That seems like they haven't played in a long time, right? So, yeah. um, I'm going with New yeah, Zealand. Let's move one. on there, Tasmania. Yeah. Oh, that's that's actually the – isn't that the one that's been that's called That's the cancel one, oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the one you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm going to go Southeast Melbourne versus Tasmania, guys. Yeah. Got to go Southeast for that yeah. one. Yeah. 
Illawarra at home to Adelaide. Illawarra, I got. Definitely. Yeah, because Adelaide, this would have been, they played on Tuesday night, Friday, mm. three games in six days or whatever. So I'll Good go call. with the yep. Hawks. Yeah. Um, this one here, Southeast Melbourne versus Cairns. I can't see Cairns after such a break uh, challenging Southeast yeah. Melbourne at home. We saw what the Wildcats looked Phoenix. like the other yeah. night. They looked really flat, didn't they, after that break? So, yep. yeah, Southeast for me. Yeah, and then your, your last one. I think it's probably going to be the game of the round: Brisbane versus Melbourne, the very last one. Um, I think maybe That's Brisbane, tough. maybe Brisbane on this one. Maybe well, the Brisbane. only problem with that is is look at Brisbane's schedule though. They've yeah, been home, Sydney, Melbourne. It, it's 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 busy, and it's yeah. their depth. They they they've got decent depth, and they're at home. Well, that one's actually in, that one's actually in Brisbane. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they're at yeah. home, but but it's um. Melbourne to me play right now playing the best defense of anyone in the competition. Yeah. And when you're tired and you and it provided Melbourne are relentless like they have been on the defensive end, it, it becomes hard when you when you're a bit yeah. fatigued. Jack so, White coming back to that team just giving him just a, another dimension defensively as well. Hasn't yeah. It? Yeah. So and we went oh, very we, high on Melbourne at the start of the year, but Vickerman's uh, doing such a great job with them on the defensive end, man. They're playing yeah. great. So. Big surprise packet. So no, they're, they're they're a good team. They're a very very good team. Yeah. All right, good stuff. All right. Well, now we sort of come pretty much to the last part there, Andrew, that we mentioned where we open an old pack of cards. Now, I should pre-warn you. I say it every episode. Woody carries on like a bit of a pork chop when this happens. He gets love very it, excited. Love it, so man. just just that. let him go if he does that. But yeah, no. we'll see what we can sort of talk about. I this might pack I anyway. might struggle to remember some of it. Okay, I'm so looking, for, not, looking for a Byron Houston card. Anyway. This is not a stitch up. Okay, all right. All right yeah. Like Drew, you said. Well, when you said it, I wasn't familiar with the work that you're doing here, so I just assumed <laughs> that you guys knew. All right, um, so that's the fun part. This has been sitting on, sitting on the shelves for about 25 years. So wow, you might be devaluing a, You might be devaluing a, a, a pack of cards. Possibly. All right, all right. Let's do this. Not even easy to open these days. Right? So, here we go. Good sound effects coming through the Michael Woods. I like that. All right, the very first card is a checklist card. Oh. And and Robbie, you want to tell Drewy what we do with checklist cards on this show and why we do it? Okay, so Andrew, you're probably uh, familiar with Lee yeah, Ellis's I like work. It. Yeah, so we rip it up, chuck it over the shoulder, and we open the next one. So that's nice. Yeah, done. done. <laughs> oh, to Lee Ellis. The <laughs> only thing is, you might have ripped up some checklist that's rare as hence. Possibly. You know. And you might just tore up thousands of dollars in. <laughs> we'll get the so glue out to get back together. I hope not. All right, we've got Indiana Pacers uh, forward, John Williams. John Williams. Now, there's a guy that was around for a while. I don't yeah. know if – yeah, if, if, power forward, I want yep. to say. Yep, power forward. Um, yep. Is that, that's not hot plate Williams, though. That's a different Williams, right? That is hot plate Williams. It is hot plate Williams. Yeah, yeah. He used to play with the Cavs back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's oh, him. wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, love this guy. Love this guy. He was a fill-in. For the All Star Game and won MVP and Lee Ellis loves his dunk. All right, who am I talking about? All right, Tom Chambers. Uh, Tom Chambers. Tommy Chambers. Ooh, with Utah there, yeah. yeah How underrated nice. was Tom Chambers? He was good. Man. Yeah. Like, it's funny, I forgot him with the Jazz. There. I can just picture him with Phoenix, but not the Jazz. All Star so. Game MVP in what year? Mm. I'm going to put you on the spot, Rob. Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Is yeah. that right? Well, he had that. One of the most spectacular dunks in transition. Mm. I'm trying to remember who it was over. He jumped over someone to the right of the screen, wasn't it? Yeah, you're going dunk, to the right and two-handed. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Oh, he dunked over Mark Jackson. Yeah, the there, you go. there you go. There you go. Yep. All right, I got a rookie card here. 
all rookie ultra flair 94 95 i mean we just spoke about him he had a triple double he's now the head coach of the jason dallas kidd. mavericks jason kidd jason kidd wow ultra that's a nice card. Rookie like card an yeah. olympian gold medalist in 2000 as well mm. yep. and uh he's doing a great job with dallas i think he is i really agree is. they've had some Underrated. challenges yep and they've done quite well I like the totally fact that he's agree. playing Josh Green. He doesn't care that Josh Green isn't taking too many yeah. three-point shots. Well, good. Yeah. it's been a bit up and down. It has been. It has been. But from all reports, Josh is enjoying playing under him. So yeah, that's great. Good. Yeah. And the, 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 one of the best rebounding guards before, you know, you got yeah. Westbrook and all these guards back then, mm-hmm. Jason yeah. Kidd. All right. This is one that might escape me. Guard from the Pistons, Mark Mason with a C. Mark Mason? He played with Mark, the Nuggets as well, I remember. Yeah, I remember Mark Mason. Yeah. Did he play – was he – Mark Mason, you can look this up for you, Rob. Was he go – did he go to Temple. college at Temple? Yeah. Temple. Yeah. Temple. And he was a flat-out scorer. Flat Is it Mason, Mason or Macon? I always said it Macon. 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 Yeah. Mark Macon, yeah. Flat-out scorer. Can, just a shooter. Yeah. shoot it. And if I – did he – did he lead the college in scoring? Or did he lead the NCAA in scoring? Maybe not. That might be a bit of a stretch. But he was at Temple. Did yeah. he face him at all in college? No, but he played the Temple's in Philadelphia. Yep. It is. And uh, when he uh, he was there when I around that same time. Right. So you heard you heard about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assistant yeah. assistant coach at Temple now, actually. Right, yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. John Chaney was a coach. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That makes a bell. Yeah. All right. So we've got Minnesota Timberwolves, and we talked about this team the other day, Robbie. Winston Garland. Oh, wow. Oh. He played with the Clippers as well and yep. Cleveland, I think, if I remember rightly. Winston yeah. Garland. Yep. Yep. Well, isn't there a Garland there now? Is Darius there a... Garland. Darius, yeah. Is that yep. his dad? Is that his I don't son? think there's any that relation there. That's a good question, actually. I'm pretty sure Garland's the son of Ape, whether it's him uh, Garland is the son of a former NBA Ooh, player. Oh, he is the father, yep. He is? Wow. Yeah, he is. Winston oh, is wow. Darius' dad. Yep, no, I did not know that. I did oh, not yeah. know that. Good. I'm here for your voice. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> now, we love this guy. Mark Curry, Mr. Cooper, reference, references him in the show. Ex-Golden State Warrior, okay? Then Miami Heat. I know you got his jersey. We talked about him earlier oh. on the show. Billy Billy Owens. Billy Owens. Yeah. Billy O, baby. I've got Syracuse. a few of his jerseys. Woods about Syracuse. three of them. You know, I love Billy yeah, Owens man, back I've, in the day. I've always yeah. wanted one. I haven't been able to get yeah. a Billy Owens jersey, man. He was quality. Yeah, that that mobile guy. He was. I uh, could shoot it, and yeah, he's a good good player. Big unit too. Yeah. Yeah. Did he? Did they? No, it was wasn't. Um, was Derek Conway? They won a championship with. Did Billy Owens win a title at Syracuse? Ooh, I know. Control, I think Camelo. Yeah. Camelo yeah, Carmelo did. definitely did, yeah. But was well, Billy Owens, did he win it? I don't know. That well, Coleman did. left in 89, right? And then Billy Owens was drafted. He was an All-American and Player of the Year. Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't think he actually won one. No, maybe I'm kidding. Yeah. But, geez, he had a good resume coming out of college, that's for sure. Yeah. No, he was a stud. All right. Los Angeles Clippers forward. Charles Outlaw. Oh, Bo. Bo. Bo he... Outlaw, yep. Yeah. He also went on to play ago. with the, the Magic as well. Yeah, good old A few Bo teams, Apple. I think. I think he played yeah. with a few. Oh, yeah, yeah. A bit of a journeyman he was in the end. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't much of a scorer, but it was a total hustle type player, wasn't he? Rebound, so. defender, yeah. 
Didn't yeah, your brother run into him in a hotel lobby in the USA one he day? He did, and they ended up catching up for a drink after that. Yeah, funny <laughs> yes, story, uh... right? Yeah. All right. Oh, so Billy Owens played in the Goodwill, ga- Goodwill Games, Andrew. Did you play in that? Yeah. In, no, that in, was in, in 1990 in Seattle. Yes, and we okay. played against uh, – oh, we played against uh, – did we play the USA team with the team? Uh, I don't know if we did. I know PJ Calissimo was the assistant coach. Yeah. We played – no, no, we played him in the World Cup. Oh, in Argentina, yeah, yeah. that's nice. where it's coming back to me. Yeah, <laughs> nice. that, that, they they finished third, I think. I think they got the bronze medal. That was the the last 1990 Argentina. I think that was the last Soviet Union playing against Yugoslavia, right? Okay, for the gold medal. Yeah, that was um, Divac, Kukots, all Dino, Ra- Dino Raja, maybe yep. Petrovic. Yep, they were all in that Yugoslavia right, team. And they won it. Yugoslavia. Yep. Nice, nice. No, 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 no. No, did they win it? They won it that year. I think they won the gold. They won the gold medal. Anyway, Very they were cool. either first or second. <laughs> Next player we got, you know, affectionately referred to as Blue Theodore, Theodore Edwards. Edwards. Oh, yeah. Celtics yeah. Blue. See, funny. I don't remember him much with Boston. For me, he was a Milwaukee. Milwaukee, buck, man. Know? That's when I remember him from there. But yeah, yeah I like Blue Edwards back. He was there. Alvin Robertson's team. Hey, Woody, do you remember right? why you got the nickname Blue? Man, man, okay, you're, so the, you're, was, the, you're the guy. Was, he was choking on a toy when he was young, and his yeah. grandma picked him up and said he was turning blue, and that nice. was how he got his nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Trust you to know that, man. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Phoenix Suns guard Elliot Perry. Oh, uh, Yeah, that was. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Not there, but yeah. You're nah, right. Any fun facts, that, boys? Any fun facts? No, nah, no. He was no. a lefty, wasn't he, from memory? Um, yeah, I think he was. Was he? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. he got the ball in his left hand there. He does, so he's, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. A little fella, though. Mm, yep. All right, this is one I've that escapes me. Utah Jazz forwards, forward. Jamie Watson? Whoa. Jamie Watson. No. Whoa. Jamie Thank goodness Watson. I invented Google for people like him. Who, who is that? I have never heard of him. Is this guy the first ever. player I haven't known, Woods, so far? Or what? I think there's maybe one more that you have. I bet but, you, you, know. you when you when you Google him, you eventually it'll kick in. And you Either that or he probably played about 10 games or if something. I, so. If I can... Uh... He played three years with the Jazz and he played with Dallas and he played in all sorts of places overseas. So Right. Don't remember the guy at all. He went to went to South Carolina College, a second round draft pick. But yeah. oh, he was in a dunk comp in '95. If that rings a bell for anyone, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, and uh, the final card, Phoenix Suns guard Trevor Ruffin. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I do remember him. He played for the Bulls as well, didn't he? Ruffin? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I don't, I don't remember a lot about him, but yeah, mm, definitely remember the name, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Now, this For pack sure. is not nearly as good as the one we pulled last week, is yeah, it? Yeah, we seem to get some really up and down packs. We didn't right. really get any superstars, did we, in this pack? No, no, no. But Oh, yeah, hey. we got the Jason Kidd rookie card. Oh, yeah, the Jason Kidd rookie. We had a few are, fun are you... facts about Blue Edwards and Bo Outlaw and, you know, stuff like that. So... Have you got many – have you got a lot of packs here that do this for a while? Yeah, we've got heaps. We've got nine. We've been getting them all off eBay there. There's a oh, bit of a sort of market okay. for the old ones. But I think we're starting to run out. But, yeah, we have we right. have great fun doing we'll this. We pulled a Michael thing. Jordan All-Star card, Magic Johnson All-Star card. Right. With Liam, with, when Liam was on the show, we when had a Liam really good, good one, yeah. didn't we? We got yeah. Magic Johnson, I think, twice in the same pack or something. Wow. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But Perfect. nice and nostalgic to do it. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. No, that yeah. was great fun. 
All right, really appreciate that at Woods. Well, I guess that takes us to sort of the end, end of the show here, guys. So, look, obviously, before I sort of go into my little spiel here, just wanted to really thank you, Andrew. I mean, we've so we been looking forward it. to having you on and just been great no, no to sort of take a trip down memory lane and sort of, you know, talk about some of the, the things that you achieved there. So, um, so yeah, as I sort of mentioned, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, keep subscribing to our show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, just a reminder where you can follow us. Um, our Twitter handle is Throwbacks Hoops. Um, Instagram with Throwback.hoops. And of course, our email address there, if you've got any questions or feedback or anything like that, is throwbackhoopspodcast at gmail.com. Now, Woody, why don't you sort of um, give us your TikTok and your, the, the Patreon details there? Yeah, Patreon, you know, if you'd like to pledge your support for us, uh, we appreciate it. Just jump on Patreon and look for Throwback Hoops. Uh, we appreciate it, anyone who, who assists us there. And uh, TikTok, for some of the younger viewers, we have snippets of the show and we showcase our jerseys there. It's Woody underscore V83. And as Robbie said, the email address, um, send in questions, jersey requests, anything that you want. Um, and uh, we'll try and, uh, try and uh, you know... <laughs> Take care of that for you. So, yeah. Good stuff there, Woods. And, um, and uh, Drew, why don't you sort of tell the audience maybe where they can sort of find you now? We know, we know you're all over Fox Sports, but why don't you sort of let them know sort of where they can sort of tune into you these days? Well, we do the jump on uh, ESPN. Boy, do they, does that advert get a bit of a run on every ESPN program they're promoting yep, our jump. So myself, Leonard Copeland, Nat Edwards, um, we, um, we, you know, we, we're the regulars on it. Yep. and. Kane Pittman, Kane does some work with the, the news breaking stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a good, fun show. And so we do that. And I'm commentating the basketball games, and that's pretty much it for right now. As what, far what about as, bounce there? Will you be coming back for another season? Oh, yeah, the bounce. The bounce is yeah. coming back for another season. So again, the, we've lost Woody here, but I, I never miss an episode of that show. Yeah, I absolutely man. love it. So yeah. No, I hadn't realised that it changed names just to bounce as well. It was only when yeah. I looked that up. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, that's on – right now it's on Sunday nights after the round of footy. It's slapstick. It's, it's just a light-hearted look at the great. footy stuff. I know this show, on. man. Damien Fleming was on it as well for a while, wasn't he? He was. Gee, yes. going back a long time. Yeah. That's because you're a cricket homer. Would he come That would have been eight or nine years or maybe <laughs> – so you haven't watched it for nine years, you're telling us what. Look, I know what the show is, man. I'd give okay. you a break, okay. all right? <laughs> it's a bit of fun. So we do that. And, um, and yeah, and this this year I'm uh, working on in Victoria. Actually, it's syndicated, I think, throughout a lot of states. Is on um, three to six every day on SEN Radio. Me and okay. Andy Mark doing a Perfect. radio Perfect. So, no, no, it's all good. Oh, no, good. I really Thanks, appreciate guys. you coming on the show. No, Thanks really so much, fun. It, Thanks so much, Drew. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. I just wanted to thank everyone for tuning in. And, yeah, can't wait to, to see everyone next week. Peace out from the Throwback Soup Crew. Peace, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks, guys.